for a blessing. Now, if you believe that neighbor sitting next to you, come on and put them hands together like you know it's coming. Amen. Somebody say, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Hallelujah. Amen. We want to give honor to Bishop Jones, First Lady Jones, in their absence. Uh, they had to go to another ministry this morning, and so we thank God for them, the angels uh, of this house. Uh, to all of the elders, the ministers, the deacons, sound men, cameraman, security men, everyone in their respective places, choir, musicians, choir directors, we thank God for them. I want to thank God for my wife, Lestasha Jones. Thank God for my family, Jalen, Virgil, and Victoria. If you have your Bibles, your iPads, or your iPhones, or a regular phone, come on and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to ask that we would turn to verse number 41. And the Bible reads, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said unto his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rolled and went to Jezreel. Every head bow, every eye closed. The Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this time of sharing. The power of the Holy Spirit that is here, we ask that you would be in full control. That no flesh would glory in your presence nor in your sight. We pray that every valley would be exalted. That every crooked way would be made straight. Every broken heart would be mended. Every troubled mind would be set at ease. Those that don't know Jesus will cry out, I yield. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for salvation. And we'll be ever so careful to give your name, praise, honor, and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And every heart and mind says, amen. I want you to turn to that neighbor and say, neighbor. Amen. Amen. If there's, if there's anything, if there's anything that will stop that will stop my topic is, is this right here. Amen. Let us welcome our own, very own, Mayor Alvin Brown, who is in the house with us this morning. Amen. Let's put our hands together for him.
Good morning, everyone. God is good. And all the time. Oh, let's give him. We can do better than that. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Now, listen, I, I was sitting quiet back there. I didn't want him to see me. And he read that great scripture. So I don't want to break the flow. But I, I, and normally, you know, I'd stay for the whole service. Amen? But we're in a different season now. Say season. We've got 15 more days in this season. And I would have Joshua and Jordan, my best friend, my wife here. But Jordan made, made it to the state finals in robotics. And so he's in Orlando. Yeah. Yeah, so he's in Orlando. So that's why they're not here. Uh, but I, I want to say this to you, to... Uh, Senior Pastor Jones and, and Junior, I, I, I want to thank the First Lady and the and Philippian family for praying for me and my wife and my family. Uh, this is like home to me. I, I'll never forget it. Four years ago, people didn't think we could do it. But we came to Philippian, and you, you prayed and you delivered for us. And we got on the ballot the first time because of you. And so the same God that delivers us the first time will do it again. But this is what I want to say to you, beloved, is that we as a people, as God's people, you know, the devil is busy. The Bible says no weapon formed against you shouldn't prosper. Didn't say it wouldn't form, form in front of you, behind you, on side of you, in the back of you, but it wouldn't prosper. And so I am standing on the word of God that the same God delivered us the first time will do it again. No problem. But faith without works is what? So I have to work it and do my part to get out here and remind you and inspire you that the same God that woke you up this morning, started you on your way, will bless us for four more years. But I need you to go and do your part. Tomorrow's early voting, and I need you to go vote for the mayor. Starting tomorrow is early voting. You got to go do what is right for God. Now, we're in a strange season. My last point is this. We've never had a mayor to proclaim Jesus Christ publicly. So the devil is busy. They don't want God-fearing people at the top. But can I tell you, when God is with you, who can be against you? The same God who has all power, power to pick you up, power to take you to the next level, power to wipe away your tears, power to give you that joy. It's the same God that did it the first time that will do it again in Jesus' name, not in Alvin Brown's name, not in Pastor Jones' name, but say Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, is that's how we're going to do it. So if you believe, like I believe, that God can deliver let's give him praise stand up on your feet and give him praise for five seconds come on thank god for his grace come on come on philippian come on we can do it in that in jesus name in jesus name in jesus name he'll do it again for jacksonville he'll do it again in his holy name thank you and god bless you for giving me this opportunity one more time thank you so much thank you so much now and i and i and i appreciate I appreciate the past. Normally I'd be here the whole time, but I have to visit seven churches, seven. But you know what the beauty of it is? Each church that I'm going to, my whole family has been there more than once, 
more than twice, going and renewing my mind and my soul. Because, you know, the mayor has to hear the word of God. I need the teaching, so I am blessed to understand that I can't do without Jesus. So that's why I didn't want to mess up his flow, and he was reading the scripture, and he did that great prayer. That was for the mayor. Huh? So before I leave, I want him to lay hands on me and pray for me right now. Come on, come on. He can pray for the mayor right now. Come on, Zion, point your hands towards this way. Father, we tell you, thank you for a mayor, God, that has proclaimed you publicly. And God, you say that if we will proclaim you privately, that you would exalt us in the eyes of man. We're praying for the favor of God to continue to be upon his life, that no barrier will be able to stop what you have ordained for him. We speak it, we believe it, we decree it and declare it, and it is so. And everybody in the house ought to shout amen. Come on, give him praise. Come on, Zion. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Mayor Alvin Brown, let's give it up for him one more time. Amen. 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 You may have your seats in the presence of the Almighty God. Amen. Amen. Y'all know I'm going to keep it 100 with y'all. Now, y'all family. Amen. May I say lay hands on us. Oh, Lord. Oh. All right, go. That's the mayor, man. Okay, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go back to my text. Y'all don't want to keep it 100 in here. That's, that's the mayor. I done prayed for a lot of folk. I almost used too much oil. I almost had an oil bottle on my hand. Amen. But listen, you heard what was said. Early voting is tomorrow. Let's get out and do our parts, amen. Amen. All right. Now, we're going to try to get back to our text this morning. Amen. Where to start it off. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Greater is coming. Oh. You, you know what? You know what? I'm... I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it, y'all. Y'all gonna, gonna put me at this church today, but I'm, I'm gonna do it, all right? Some of y'all ain't gonna like this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. If you got your cell phones, pull out your cell phones. If you got your cell, pull it out. Pull it, pull it out, y'all. Y'all gonna put me out of here today, but I'm gonna do it, okay? All right. Now, this is what I want you to do. If you got Facebook or if you got Twitter, I'm waiting for mine to act right. Amen. I want you to get your cell phone out. I want you to take you a good old selfie. That's what we're going to do here today. We're going we're gonna to take a good old selfie. Amen, somebody. Let me get mine. Let me get mine right. Amen. Let me get mine right. Amen. That's what we want you to do. We want you to take your good old selfie. And when you take your selfie, I want you to post it on your Twitter, post it on your Insta, quote it on your Facebook, and I want you to hashtag it, greater is coming. I want you to let your haters know that greater is coming in. Y'all ain't gonna shout back with me in here. I say, come on here and take your good old selfie. Amen, y'all ain't dead nothing. I see a few of y'all with your phones out, y'all. Lord ain't gonna send you to hell for taking a selfie, amen. Somebody shout, he ain't gonna keep you out of heaven for taking a selfie. He ain't gonna do it, amen. Don't worry about it, Pastor Jones, I'm gonna take mine. You ain't got the word 2-1, there they are. Okay, I got mine down, all right? Amen. 
Hashtag it greater is coming. Amen. Amen. If I have a subtopic for this morning, my subtopic would simply be make it rain. Make it rain. Our text today was coming from 1 Kings chapter 18. Verses 41 through 45. It is here that we find that the Bible begins to record the life of a prophet by the name of Elijah. It begins to take us through different facets of his life before we get to the showdown in chapter 18. It is this prophet Elijah that the Bible would make mention of in 1 Kings chapter 17, a man that was called by God anointed by God to be a prophet to the nation of Israel. We find that at this time that the nation of Israel is in turmoil because a woman, a chick by the name of Jezebel, has married a king by the name of Ahab, and she is running the whole show. I don't know what Jezebel had. I don't know what she did. I'm going to stop right there because we have kids in here. But whatever she did, she made the whole nation change gods. Now, I'm going to leave that alone right there. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I wish I had somebody real in here to say, Lord, give me some of that. I need my man to change. He okay, so anyway, 1 Kings chapter 17. Yo, your husband won't act right. You need a little something. So anyway, so 1 Kings chapter 17. The prophet Elijah, he begins to face King Ahab. And he comes in direct confrontation with this woman, Jezebel. Because it was believed that Jezebel and the false god that she served by the name of Baal, that this god was the sun god, the storm god, and that he was the god that was able to make crops grow by rain. And so in 1 Kings 17, we find that the prophet Elijah would proclaim to King Ahab and Jezebel that for the, about the space of three years, according to his word, that it would not rain. And he does this to be in direct confrontation with their false god. What Elijah is saying to King Ahab and Jezebel is that you say that your God is a God that can make it rain. I'm going to show you that my God is a God that's going to stop it from raining. And so as he would stand off and tell them and give them this direct confrontation, those of you that know the truth of the teaching, God would shut up heaven for about three and a half years. This prophet Elijah, as he makes this great proclamation, he shows you and I that it is very important that we are not afraid to stand in a time when our nation is turning its back on God. If you've been living in America the past few years, one thing we have discovered is that America is beginning to move further away from the teachings of the Bible. Uh, we will put on our dollar bill for in God we trust, but we have to ask ourselves, do we really trust that God? We find that in this time that we can learn from the prophet Elijah because he was in a nation that began to turn their back on God, just like we're in a nation that's beginning to turn its back on God. But Elijah, he would not be afraid to take a stand for what is right. You and I as believers, we must not be afraid to tell people what we believe and why we believe it. May I submit to you, you may lose some friends. May I submit to you that you will not be socially accepted. But I'm not worried about being socially accepted when God has stated in 
in his word, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. In order for me to say what's right and right is wrong is wrong, it don't mean that I'm perfect, but it means that I stand with the one true living God. This prophet Elijah, he would make this great proclamation about how it would not rain. And the Bible tells us that the word of the Lord came to him and told him in verse number three, I'm in 1 Kings 17, verse three, uh, that the Bible says that God told him to go and hide himself by the brook of Cherith there that's by the Jordan. Verse number four says, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Somebody shout there. Somebody say there. God, he sends the master prophet down to a small brook in order to survive. He doesn't send him by an ocean. He doesn't send him next to a river, but he sits him down by a small brook. It is here that we find that the prophet Elijah, that he trusts what God said so until he sits himself by the brook and he waits for the raven to come and feed him. It is here that we find that there are seasons in our life that we will make a stand for God. We will stay what is right. We will make declarations that my life is changing. I'm about to do better. I'm about to be better. And sometimes we still go through trouble. It is here that we find that Elijah is in a place of somebody say meagerness. He's by a brook. He's getting fed by ravens. But even though he's by the brook, I love the simple fact that Elijah does not look at the brook and begin to complain. Have you ever complained about the brook that God was using to keep you alive? Sometimes God don't send a season of overflow in your life. Sometimes you're robbing Peter just to pay Paul. Sometimes your money isn't enough. Sometimes your bank account is behind. But even though it's a small brook, I am so thankful that even with a small brook, God knows how to sustain me. He knows how to keep me alive. He is the kind of God that sets the prophet down by a brook and he says, I have commanded ravens to feed you there. Don't miss this. He says, I'm commanding ravens to feed thee there. The Bible says that ravens brought him flesh and drink by night and by day. The ravens fed this master prophet. But notice that Elijah wasn't in a place that he can write out a menu. You know, sometimes you get to a place in your life, baby, when you go to the grocery store, you ain't got enough money for the steak. You're looking for the hot dogs and you ain't getting beef hot dogs. You're getting them chicken kind of hot dogs. Half chicken and half beef because you just trying to make it. Tell somebody, I'm just trying to make it. There are seasons in your life that God will sit you by a small brook and feed you with something. It might not be what you want, but I guarantee it'll be what you need because your motive is not to live in luxury. Your motive is to survive until it breaks through. Tell somebody, I'm just trying to survive until God breaks it through. I'm just trying to survive until he makes a way. I'm just trying to survive until my day comes because just as sure as you inhale and exhale, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If God has spoken it in his word, he shall make it good. So he sits this young man down by a brook. And I love the fact that Elijah, he does not complain, but rather he takes the opportunity and go through the way that God has instructed. Don't you know that in your meager season that your complaining will make your season tougher? I must trade in my complaining for a praise. When I look at what I have and say, baby, wait a minute, I'm going to tell God, thank you for the little because the Bible says that little is much with the righteous. I wish I had somebody that knew a few verses in here that when Jesus Christ was here, the man that owned everything, the man that told him to go fishing and you're going to find money in the fish's mouth, he took two fish and five loaves. He's looking at 500 hungry El Negroes in the desert 
and he said, I ain't going to complain. He said, but I'm going to say, Lord, I thank you for the two fish and the five loaves. And God stretched it. Tell somebody, God know how to stretch your little bit of money. I understand they ain't paying you with $7 an hour, but God will take your seven and make it be like 17 when he get finished stretching it. Somebody shout, God will stretch your money. I know he'll do it. I've been there. I've done that. And so we find here that God sustains the prophet. He sends him down to a widow woman's house, the bottom of a barrel. He meets this woman and he goes and he tells her, listen, if you feed me first, he says that you and your child will not die. He asked him, what are you planning to do? She said, have a little bit of meal in the bottom of a barrel. She said, I'm going to bake a little cake and me and my son are going to eat and we're going to die. The prophet speaks and says, listen, baby, if you feed me first, he says, your meal barrel will not fail. Notice that he's still in a meager season. This woman is still in a meager season, but she gives to the man of God. Somebody shout, give, give, give. You got to know how to give. You got to know when to give. Understand that when you can't listen to the world's perception of what a preacher should, get and shouldn't get. You know, sometimes you can listen to folk out there in the world and come to church and hold your money and don't realize you just missed your blessing. When I give to the things of God and to the ministry of God, it opens up the door of God to be able to bless me. And because this woman, she gave out of her meagerness. She gives out of her little. The Bible said that this woman is not only sustained just like the prophet during the years of famine, but it says a few years later that her son dies. When her son dies, the same prophet that she gave to is the same prophet that shows up and he raises her son from the dead. Because God is the kind of God that when you give, when he begins to give it back to you, he knows exactly what you need. Because there are seasons in your life that you may come to church and you may sow $20, but $20 ain't going to help you with your situation. So what God does, he takes your $20, but then he gives you what you need that your money couldn't pay for. Y'all ain't going to talk back to me in here. I'm so grateful that God knows how to distribute what we need because sometimes money can't save me from my problems. Sometimes money can't give me a peace of mind. Sometimes money cannot heal my body. Sometimes, no, they're going to talk back to me in here. Tell somebody, sometimes money ain't your problem. You need something done in your life that only God can do. And so I'll sow the 20 and look for the reaping. I'll do what I can and look for God to get it back to me. Somebody shout on the run. The prophet Elijah has begun to be on the run. The Bible lets us know that now he's been by the rook, fed by the ravens, fed by the widow woman, raised her son from the dead. By the time we get to 1 Kings chapter 18, he's no longer on the run, but now he's ready for a showdown. Tells us in 1 Kings 18 that he's prepared to face the false prophets of Baal. We find something here very interesting. First Kings 17 that we find in verse number 2, verse 8, and also First Kings 18, chapter 1, we find that God gives Elijah, somebody shout, instructions. God is a God that will always give instructions. Some folk don't like to listen, but God gives instructions. We find that when Elijah was by the brook, he didn't move until the word of the God came and said, Elijah, move from here. He goes to the widow woman's house and he stays there until God sends a word and says, Elijah, it's time to move again. He gets to 1 Kings 18 and 1 and he doesn't move until God sends another word and says, Elijah, it's time to move now. God is the kind of God that will send direction. He will send instruction in your life because God knows the destiny of everyone in here. And because he knows the destiny.
destiny. There are seasons in our life we don't know what God is doing. You ever been to a place in your life you ain't know whether you was going or coming. You didn't know if you were up or down. You didn't really know if you were going to make it. God said let me be your spiritual GPS system. Is there somebody here? You're in a place in your life. You need direction. You need a word from God. You don't know whether to go right or to go left. You don't know whether to leave or to stay. You don't know what career path to choose. God say let me be your GPS system. Why? What I need God to be my GPS system. Young preacher because God is the kind of God that not only knows my destination but tells somebody he knows all things and so God is the kind of God that'll tell you to move and when he tells you to move tell your neighbor you better get to moving because as I move with the timing of God the blessings of God are tied into his direction. He says in Proverbs 3 and 5 that if I will acknowledge God in all of my ways that he will direct my path. I need God to direct me in this season because I don't know what to do and so Lord I need you to be my spiritual positioning system. He tells us through the writings of John 16, 13 that he gave us a confidence. He gave us an inward GPS system. Says that the Holy Ghost, he would, he would lead you into all truth. But what I found out is that sometimes we don't like to listen because sometimes the Holy Ghost wants to lead you where you don't really want to go. Jones, you preaching now, son. The Holy Ghost will lead you to apologize and they were wrong. You, you, you don't want this here. The Holy Ghost will lead you to stay in a bad marriage and you know he's been sleeping around on you. The Holy Ghost will lead you. Y'all don't like this right here, do you? Y'all don't, don't like this. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit began to lead you, he leads you against yourself. I know you thought God was all about you, but sometimes God is anti you. He's anti flesh. He's anti your drive. He's anti your will. Tell somebody, God. Is anti you. So he gives instruction. He sends Elijah to face 850 false prophets of Baal total. It's here that we find that as instructions come, now God begins to give, somebody say insight. He gives Elijah the insight to what the real problem is. Insight is simply understanding of a situation in a clear way. It's understanding the nature of something. He gives Elijah the insight that Elijah must understand the nature of the beast. Tell somebody, understand the nature of the beast. There are some of us, we're in a season in our life, and it is a beast kind of a season. It's a season that you've never been in before. It's a season that's the roughest season that you've ever experienced. And God says that I must get insight to understand the nature of the beast. I must understand why I am here, because when I can understand something, it helps me not to make the same mistake twice because the truth of the matter is everything ain't the devil's fault the truth of the matter is we've made some bad choices and we've made some bad decisions and we went out and dated folk that you knew wasn't no good for you and now you popped up pregnant from a dude you really don't even know like that because God is the kind of God Somebody shout, I need insight. I need, I need a little insight because if I can understand the thing, then I won't become an habitual offender. It was King Solomon when he took over for his daddy, King David. He said, listen, God, when he got on his knees and he began to pray, he said, listen, I don't need any money. I don't need the life of my enemies. I don't need any newfound friends. He said, God, I need somebody shout wisdom. I need, I need wisdom in this season. I need insight as to where I am, what move I should make, what I should do. God, give me wisdom 
Why Wisdom Young Jones? Because wisdom is better than money. Tell, tell your neighbor, wisdom is better than money. The principal thing, God, give me wisdom. You, you don't need to hit the lotto. You need wisdom because they've had folk to hit the lotto, but they had money with no wisdom, and they broke in five years. We've had NBA players to make millions of dollars and end up broke because they had money but had no wisdom. There are seasons in your life you need the wisdom of God. Somebody shout, I need the wisdom. God, God, give me the wisdom. I need wisdom. There are some of you asking for more, and God say, no, baby, you need wisdom to work out that 30000 you're making right now. You're breaking and asking God for six figures. He said, you ain't got wisdom to work the 30 grand. Get wisdom to work the 30 grand first and then expect for me to give you more. Tell somebody, God, give me wisdom how to work this thing. I need, I need wisdom. James said it like this. He says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that abradeth not. You won't be double-minded that God will give you wisdom liberally. I want to talk about wisdom just for a little while. We'll preach after a while. I just feel like talking. I need wisdom in my marriage. Because I'm married to a strong-minded kind of a man. I'm married to a man that you can't tell nothing. I'm married to a man that ain't never wrong. Somebody shout wisdom. I'm married to a man that think he my daddy. I know your husband's sitting next to you, so you can't shout amen, but I'm still preaching to you. I need wisdom. Because I'm married to a woman that can out-talk me. I'm married to a woman that not only can out-talk me, but I'm married to a woman that always trying to tell me what to do. I'm not talking about my marriage. I'm talking about yours right now. Y'all ain't going to say amen to me up in here. Tell somebody I'm married. I'm married to a woman that want to be my mom. I'm married. I need wisdom. Somebody shout wisdom. That's 30-something years. Wisdom. I need, I need some wisdom. I'm married to a woman that want to be the husband and the wife in the relationship. I know it ain't nobody in here. Lady, you can't be the man and the woman. You're trying to do too much. Somebody shout, let that man be the man sometime. You want to put his pants on for him. Let him, let him be the man. Because the truth of the matter is, a situation will arise when you're going to need him to be a man. But you've been the man so long, he don't even know what to do. We need wisdom with our kids. Some of our kids are crazy. Whew. I'm preaching right now if you ain't know it. So, some of our kids are crazy. I'm not going to say it. I, I had to touch my son the other day. You know, my son, he's, a little, he's getting a little tall. I'm a little short. So when I take my shoes off, he look like he looking me out of eye. So the other day, I had to remind him there's only one man in your life. I can't. You ain't even a man right now, son. I'm the only man in your life. We need wisdom with our kids. And so God is the kind of God that will send wisdom. And he gives Elijah the wisdom and the insight as to what the true problem was. We find in 1 Kings 18, verse 21, that the true problem was the fact that Israel was caught between two opinions. 
He says, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal be God, then follow him. He lets them know how long will you dance between God and Baal. He identifies here that the real problem is the fact that they changed gods. I want to stop here very briefly. Because some people come to church and they are physically present, but spiritually they've changed gods. Told y'all y'all gonna put me out of here today. It is here that we find that they worship shift from God to worshiping Baal. What happens when my worship shifts? What happens when I begin to worship money more than I worship God? What happens when my job becomes more important than my service to God? What happens when I worship my marriage, my wife, my boo, my friend more than I worship God? God, tell your neighbor what happens when you shift worship, what happens when I change worship, what happens when God loses his place in my life, what happens when I still come to church and I dance and shout, but God is no longer number one in my life. What happens when I can hide it from man, but I can't hide it from God? Y'all ain't going to talk back to me in here. You look good in your dress. You look good in your three-piece suit, but God is the kind of God that looked past the three-piece and he looks directly into your heart and he said, your heart is not with me. I need my worship back. Tell somebody, put God back in his rightful place. It won't work because he ain't in the right place. It won't work because I can clap and shout, but go out and live and do what I want to do. God must be number one. Tell somebody, he only, he only knows how to operate being number one. My worship must stay for real because when I worship God and God is in the rightful place in my life, then everything else falls in line. In other words, there are some of you here that have been through some things in your life and you didn't stick it through because you love the person so much. But because God was in his rightful place, it gave me strength to be able to forgive you when you were wrong. You didn't love your husband that much, but because God was in his rightful place, you were able to forgive and stick through with the marriage because God was in his rightful place. Tell somebody, you got to put him back in his rightful place. Your worship must be for real. There are some of us here that has titles, but even though I have a title, my worship has changed. How do you know, young preacher, that the worship has changed? Because when your worship is in line, you ain't getting to church at 1230. Maybe you'll be here at 1135. When your worship is for real, when we come here on Tuesday and Friday night, we ain't got to sit down and pick somebody from the pew to do the prayer and the scripture because my worship is for real and when my worship is for real then God becomes important to me because what's important to you you'll make time for what's important to you you'll be on time for what's important to you you'll give to tell your neighbor what are you worshiping tell somebody is tight but it's right because my worship must be for real when my worship is for real everything falls in place it says in the book of Revelation, he begins to talk to the church down in Philippi and he says I have something against you because you have left your first love. What happened to that first fire when you first got saved? When you first came to church and you first received the Holy Ghost and couldn't nobody tell you nothing about Jesus? Didn't nobody have to tell you you to pray? You was already praying. Nobody had to tell you to do a Bible challenge. You was already doing your Bible challenge. Ain't nobody have to tell you to tell somebody how good God had been to you because God was in his rightful place. What do you say young preacher that if God is in his rightful place everything about me changes tell somebody if you won't change put God in his rightful place if you want to better you put God in his rightful place if you want to put the weed down put God in his rightful place if you want to 
so he tells him, you've left your first love. Put God back in his rightful place. He says, here in verse number 30, y'all, y'all travel with me. I'm, I'm going to preach out the wild. I just feel like talking here. I'm loving this, y'all. Y'all, y'all, y'all forgive me because this is the sermon that make you think. You know, this, you do inventory with this one here. And so, Elijah, somebody shout common sense. Elijah has common sense. He, he sets up the prophets of Baal. He takes them to Mount Carmel. And he sets them up with a challenge that he knows his God will answer. One thing the prophet Elijah knows is that in order for God to answer, number one, you need an altar. Number two, you need a sacrifice. Elijah's saying that if I can get an altar and a sacrifice, God will always answer by fire. So he sets the prophets of Baal up and says, y'all meet me to the top of this mountain and let's have a showdown. And with the showdown, we're going to have an altar with a sacrifice and whatever God can answer by fire, let him be God. But Elijah already knows God's method of operation. So the first thing he does is that he chooses a mountain where there's an altar that has been broke down. He knows the first thing I need, somebody shout, is an altar. So he does in verse number 30, 1 Kings 18, the Bible says that Elijah, he began to rebuild and to repair the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Because the word altar, it simply means a thing that they worship from. Altar signifies that my worship is being repaired. So as he repairs the altar, he gathers the sacrifice. He repairs the worship and then he brings the sacrifice. When I put God in his rightful place, I'm preparing and repairing my worship, but then somebody shout, we need a sacrifice. I'm so glad you said it because in the day and time we live in, our sacrifice is no longer bulls and goats, it's no longer lambs and pigeon doves, but now tell your neighbor, you are the sacrifice that God is now looking for. He's looking for you to be a living sacrifice. Not a church goer, but a real Christian. Tell somebody, not I went to church this Sunday and I felt good, but God said, I need you to be a living sacrifice because a living sacrifice is clocked in when church is clocked out. I need. Tell somebody, God, God wants you. He wants you to be a living sacrifice. He wants everything about your life to represent him. He wants everything about your life to resemble him. Because when I am a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, tell your neighbor, you will experience pain. Because sometimes God will require things of us that we don't want to do. If the Holy Ghost agree with you 100%, you got the wrong Holy Ghost. But the Spirit of God that I have, sometimes it tells me to do things that I don't want to do. It tells me not to touch things that I want to touch. It tells me not to drink things that I want to drink. It tells me. Tell somebody you are the living sacrifice. <laughs> See, when, when I become a living sacrifice, <laughs> I do it because I love God more than I love myself. Woo, Jones, you preaching right now. Because we live in a day and time where people will shout and dance and walk out and still love themselves more than they love God. Come on, talk back to me in here. So we've come to the place where God says, 
I need you to be a living sacrifice. Back to my text. I'll preach in a minute, y'all, but I feel good right here. He builds the altar. He presents the sacrifice. The Bible says that the people repented that God answered by fire. As he answers by fire, by the time you get to verse number 40, we're coming on around the corner here. We find that Elijah tells the people, he says, listen, I need y'all to kill all of the false prophets. Tell your neighbor before the rain, you must be willing to let some things die. And it's here. We find that before Elijah prays for the rain, he tells them, those 850 prophets that was keeping you away from God, I need that to die. Whatever it is that breaks my connection to God, I must not be afraid to put it to death. The Bible says we must mortify the deeds of this body. I must put some things to death. What are you saying, young preacher? We must move from the life of living an excuse that I'm waiting for God to take it away. God say, no, I gave you power to put it down. How long will we hide behind the excuse? God, whenever God ready, he gonna move it out of my life. Whenever God ready, he gonna take it away. He said, baby, I've already lived 33 years, did three years of ministry, got lied on by two folk, I got beat and nailed to a cross, died and rose again on the third day, so you can do it yourself, y'all. Tell your neighbor, do it yourself. Tell, tell your neighbor, he, he's already given you the ability. He's given you the power. But when I hide behind the excuse that, oh, I'm just like this. Or, oh, I'm waiting for God to take it away from me. You'll stay stuck in defeat. But the devil is a liar. Today is the day that I push aside my excuse. And I tell God that you have given me the power to walk away from it. Tell somebody you got more power than what you think. He didn't give you a junior Holy Ghost or a little boy Holy Ghost. He gave you the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that when we receive the Holy Ghost, we shall receive the Holy Ghost and that with power. Somebody shout power. You ain't got to be bound by no sex demon, no alcohol demon, no drug demon, no anger demon. Tell somebody you're free. I feel like preaching in here. See, we find that the rubber meets the road when I match my lifestyle up with this Bible. I find out where I really stand. So he tells them, put it to death. Y'all, I'm getting on out your way. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Yeah. Young Jones. Young he done bothered you enough. He about to get out your way. They ain't liking that much. Turn to them and say neighbor. He meant what he said. Your worship got to be for real. He meant what he said. You got to follow the Holy Spirit. Listen, I have to follow the Spirit so until when I feel like giving up and the Spirit says stay, I still got to stay. Yo, y'all ain't going to talk back to me in here. Y'all don't mind me preaching to Philippians just for a few minutes. You in PCC and you got a title and you got a position. Sometimes, baby, you get tired and you want to leave. But the Holy Ghost see you, tell you, baby, you got to stay. You got to stay a little bit longer. You, you can't change churches now. I know you might not like some things and things ain't flowing according to plan, but I called you here. I've assigned you here. Tell somebody, don't you move if God ain't moved you. I don't care what they do. I don't care what they say. But baby, you've been assigned here. Get out of there, Jonesy. See, the truth of the matter is, there are some things you can't shout out. There are some things you can't praise out. 
There are some things you got to make up in your mind. I'm going to face it, fight it, and defeat it. Tell your neighbor, it ain't no easy way out. There's no way around it. There's no way over it. You got to go through. Tell somebody, go through it. Don't you, don't you get scared. You can go through it. You can do it. Tell somebody, go through it. So we find, man and more, I'm about ready to go home. I done gave him enough, man. You're already mad at me. After the altar, after the worship, after the conviction, after the life change, after I put some things to death, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, make it rain. There's enough in you to make it rain. So when I say that better and greater is coming, I'm talking about the greater that's already in you. There, there, there's enough in you to produce rain. Tell, tell somebody I'm a rain producer. I, I can produce rain. I, I can make it rain. We find by the time we get to verse 41 that now that the prophet Elijah has gotten everything into place, he knows that now he's in position to make it rain. Somebody shout, make it rain, make it rain. And so now we find that God is getting ready to intervene. Is there somebody here that need God to intervene in your life? You're in a situation and a predicament and the word intervene simply means that God is about to step in and change some things I need God to intervene on my behalf and so now the prophet he begins to talk and he tells the king Ahab he says Ahab listen he says get thee up eat and drink for there is a sound of the abundance of rain what you say Elijah it hadn't rained yet but he says I hear the sound of the abundance of rain it is here that we find that there is power in what you speak tell your neighbor there is power in your words there is power in what you speak there is power in what you say words are so powerful and so sometimes people have spoken things into our life that was detrimental and it has ruined us for years that's why we as parents we have to be very careful of how we talk to our children and speak to our children and speak into their lives because you can speak a word that can damage your baby for life but the devil is a liar tell somebody I'm about to speak life and so Elijah he begins to speak powerful he begins to speak life the Bible says in Proverbs 8 and 21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue tell somebody you got to speak it you got everything in place you got the altar in place you made yourself a living sacrifice now you got to speak what you want God to do for you there was a man by the name of King David and King David he stood before Goliath and before he ever threw the rock he spoke and said this day Goliath I'm gonna bring you down he spoke it before it happened tell your neighbor you got to learn how to speak it before it ever happens we find that the prophet Ezekiel God takes Ezekiel he sets him up a valley of dry bones and he tells Ezekiel he says Zeke he said can these dry bones live and Zeke said Lord I don't even know and so Ezekiel tells God he said God but you know and so God tells Ezekiel he said I need you to prophesy to the valley of dry bones he said now Zeke don't you speak your words I need you to speak my words and Ezekiel began to prophesy and as he prophesied the Bible says that the bones came back to life tell your neighbor there is power in what you speak. How do you know it, young preacher? Because there was a man by the name of Jesus and he talked to a lady by the name of Mary and Martha and he said, I'm telling you that your brother shall live again. He goes to the graveside of Lazarus and he opens up his mouth. He says, Lazarus, come forth. What you say, young preacher? Jesus had to open up his mouth. He had to speak it before it could ever happen. If you go back to the book of Genesis, God steps out 
own nothing. And he begins to speak. He says, let there be light. And light was. What are you saying, young Jones? That God spoke it. Jesus spoke it. Elijah spoke it. Ezekiel spoke it. David spoke it. And baby, I'm going to speak it. Tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you got to learn how to speak in this season. I dare you to touch somebody and say, baby, I'm just like my daddy. Because my daddy in heaven, he always speaks it before it happens. But the Bible says in the book of Romans, he said he called it those things that be not as though they were. So you can't speak what you see. You got to speak what you believe. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, don't you speak what you see, but speak what you believe. Don't you speak your pain, but speak your victory. Don't you speak your failure, but speak that you're an overcomer. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you got to learn how to speak it. Can I preach this thing, y'all? Just like I feel. And so the prophet, he says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. What you say, Elijah? There's not a cloud in the sky. There ain't no thundering. There ain't no lightning. But he say, I can hear the sound of the abundance of rain. What you saying, young Jones, is that this Elijah, when he said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain, it wasn't a natural sound. It wasn't an organ sound. It wasn't a keyboard sound. It wasn't a drummer sound. It wasn't a CD sound. But it was a spiritual sound. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I got one question for you. Can you hear the sound of the abundance of rain? And I dare somebody to shout, I can hear the sound of my rain. My rain is on the way. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to make it rain in your life. Can I preach this thing, y'all? Just like I feel. You see, I put a post up on Facebook and I told him, I said, the Lord has spoken and God said that greater is coming your way. You say, wait a minute, Jones. What you mean that God told you that greater was coming? You see, I was studying about the rain and about the greater and about how God can turn things around. And Bishop Jones, he got up here on Friday night and God gave him a word that says Shondo. He said, God is getting ready to turn your stuff around. I said, well, if God put it in the bishop's mouth and he put it in my mind, then he's speaking that word to the whole house. I dare you to tell your neighbor, so neighbor, if you're in the house, your Shondo is coming. Your shift is coming. Your prosperity is coming. Your healing is coming. Your turnaround is coming. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, you got to speak it. How do you know, preacher? Because I believe in my sanctified imagination that Bishop Jones, he went in his spirit and got his Doppler radar and he put his radar out and the Doppler radar, it told Bishop Jones that the forecast is calling for rain. Tell your neighbor there's a forecast of spiritual rain flowing your way. I feel like preaching in here. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, there's something else that you got to do. You just can't speak it. But after you speak it, you got to pray it through. Tell your neighbor, the prophet Elijah, he not only spoke it, but he prayed on it for seven times. Tell your neighbor, you got to learn how to pray it through. See, I'm not only speaking it, but I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to pray about it until it happens. Don't pray one time. Don't pray two times. You pray as many times as you have to. 
through. I feel like praying. My new job through. I feel like praying. That door through. I feel like praying. Tell your neighbor, this is the season. God told me to tell you, you got to pray your way through. It ain't an easy fight. It ain't an easy win. But you got it in you. Somebody shout, I'm pressing for my victory. I'm pressing for the breakthrough. I'm pressing for a brand new me. Can I preach this thing, y'all? Just like I feel. Because I feel like preaching in here. You see, when I go to prayer, it ain't playtime. This ain't play prayer. But when I go into prayer, baby, I'm going to war. Look your neighbor in the eyes and say, neighbor, I don't know if you know it, but it's time to go to war. You've been sitting down for too long. The devil been running over you for too long. He's been controlling you for too long. Can I preach this thing, y'all? Just like I feel. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you better get ready because here comes the rain. You better get ready because here comes the rain. You don't need no rain boots. You don't need no raincoat. You don't need no poncho. You don't need your umbrella. Tell your neighbor, put the umbrella down because God is getting ready to rain over your life. I get somebody to throw your head back and say, Lord, rain on me. I need the rain. I want the rain. I gotta have the rain. Can I preach this thing, y'all? Just like I feel. You see, it hadn't rained for three years. That means everything in the land was dead. The crops was dead. People was dead. But God sent the rain. Tell your neighbor, you may be dead on the inside. But God told me to tell you that this rain is gonna bring you back to life. Say, neighbor, you shall live and you shall not die because of the rain. Can I preach this thing, y'all? Just like I feel. You see, when the rain come, God told me to tell you that he's getting ready to turn your stuff all the way around. He's going to give you beauty, beauty for ashes. He's going to give you the oil of joy for your morning. He's going to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Tell your neighbor your joy is coming. Tell your neighbor your peace is coming. Tell your neighbor your healing is coming. Shout rain, shout rain. The devil thought he had you. The devil thought he killed you. The devil thought he destroyed you. But the devil is a liar. I dare somebody to throw your head back and shout, I'm still here to give him praise. I'm still here to give him glory. I'm still here to give him honor. Through the heartache, through the pain, through the mistake, through the failure, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. Shout yes, shout yes, shout yes, shout yes. Come on, Zion. Shout rain, shout rain. I don't know what you need, but I know you need the rain. I dare somebody to shout, Lord, rain on my mind. I'm going crazy. I'm going through so much. I'm about to lose my mind. I need you to rain on my mind. Somebody shout peace that will surpass your very understanding. I need you, Lord, to rain on me from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. I need the rain because God is getting ready to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask. 
or even think. High five your neighbor and say, neighbor, God is getting ready to blow your mind. I don't care if a hater don't believe it. I don't care if your neighbor don't believe it. If you believe it, shout yes, 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 shout yes. Shout for the rain, shout for the rain, shout for the rain. Your shondo is here, your shift is here, your breakthrough is here, your healing is here. Shout yeah.